passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. When Ryan's when it's time to begin, it's on the rewind around with John Pollock and waiting the 18 that makes sense that these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's rewind around. Monday night, download a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's rewind around for Monday night on USA now on the John and Way take the mic. Hello and welcome to Rewind a Raw. I'm John Pollock and he is Way Tin. Hi, Way. Hey, John, how you doing? Uh, I'm doing okay. I'm 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 exhausted. This has been uh, a very yeah. long week, and I'm at the yeah, end. Yeah, sure. Yeah, no, I, I understand. I understand. It seems to, it it, it it's uh, there are a lot of events this weekend. It was really, it was, it was the whole week, I think, and it just was one thing after the other. Uh, but I'm not here to talk about how how tired I am. It was a a lengthy week. Did you have a, did you have a good weekend? It was good. Yeah, man. Valentine's Day yesterday, so just kind of stayed in, did a bit of a ordering. In and uh, yeah, watch no, a bit of takeover. You, you didn't too. go out for Valentine's Day. Didn't go go eat anywhere. Didn't go party, bar. Yeah, dancing. no, no, not this year. I went to I went to the Performance Center, man, the Capital Wrestling uh, Center. That's where I went for Valentine's Day. You could have. Uh, I could have. Yeah. Well. Anyway, um, what did you think of NXT? I thought that show was awesome. I thought that that was a fantastic, fantastic takeover. Um, I I was going in with pretty high expectations for it, and I would say they were still exceeded. Um, you know, the five matches, I didn't really have uh, any complaints about any of the five. I mean, of them, what would you say the weakest was? Like the women's Dusty Classic? Like that was a pretty pretty good final that, that they had. I really enjoyed Gargano. I would, I would say the triple threat, probably. If I had to pick the weakest one. Right. They had that unfortunate table incident that, at the very least, that will probably live on as a meme of some sort. Uh, I'm sure. I'm sure it's already uh, being edited into the next, um, uh, you know, what is that? The thing Matthew does. Forget the name. Botchamania, of course. It's coming. Yes. Um yeah, I, I still think like even even though it was it was a bit shorter, like I, I thought the match was fine. The that's MSK, not a complaint these days. Are you kidding me? 
<laughs> the MSK Grizzled Young Vets match, uh, that to me was unbelievably spectacular. Yeah. Excellent match. I mean, I think you had three real contenders for a match of the night, and all of them, um, I think, were the match of the year contenders. Um, maybe not the match of the year, but certainly like worthy of you know making some some lists at the end of the year. And I, I put cars, this as uh, a candidate for show of the year, the totality of it. Like I thought, I thought, I thought in the past couple of days, like between the Noah show and Takeover, I think you got two candidates out of this weekend. So you did get some very good wrestling this weekend, and a a huge angle at the end of it with the disputed era. Yeah, that seems to be the the new catchphrase, um, the new tagline. I think an overall very satisfying show from a wrestling standpoint and from a storyline standpoint. And I think it really um, can, you know, kind of push NXT into um, new territory where maybe the past cycle of TV hasn't really been that good, but a show this strong that I think has, you know, garnered a great deal of attention and a storyline that can potentially be as big as the Undisputed Era breaking up. Like that, that might drive a whole lot more interest. And you have somebody like Walter coming in. Yeah, I think that you have uh, many different options available to you with, with this angle. Of course, there's the eventual Cole and O'Reilly match. There's Finn Balor's in the middle of this with the with the super kick spot that, that Cole executed. You've got the drama of where Roderick Strong sides with. Uh, it, it just, to me, it's... Those are the kinds of angles you 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 come out of that show and you're very interested to see what this is going to mean for so many different key characters and the matches that can come out of it. Like that's always a strong show when you have several matches you want to see uh, at the end of it. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, great night for MSK. Um, immediately, like, you know, in, in the span of a month, they really kind of catapulted them to very high level uh, in terms of an attraction on that particular show. Um, so. And it looks like, you know, um, we're going to get some form of, we might get Nia and Shayna in NXT. Isn't that the draw? Well, that's what I told you. It's like coming out of it, all these matches you want to see. So like <laughs> they, they set up uh, quite quite a bit. I mean, for for the women's title, like they, they saved Tony Storm. So you still have that that lingering loss that hangs over Io's head from the Mae Young Classic that you can go back with Tony Storm. Um, tables yeah, match. Tables match. Sure. Why not? <laughs> and maybe reinforced tables match. A re- reinforced tables match, yes. Uh, so yeah, I really have no complaints. I thought that was a great show. I was, uh, I, I was, it, it was like I, I felt like I had, uh, I had done like a thousand sit ups, and then Sunday night I, I had to go do one more, and it was for takeover. And you know what? It was a great show. I, I wouldn't have been able to withstand uh, a crappy show. So it was the complete opposite of that. I, I love that takeover. It was. To me, among, I feel we say it quite a lot that, oh, this is one of the best takeovers ever. Uh, I don't know if we have the definitive ranking list, but it was it was pretty great. It would be quite the list and, and really probably feels like a task for our friends at Up Next, who, of course, have a review of the entire show up right now on their feed, uh, which you can also watch at twitch.tv slash Up Next Podcast. So shout outs to them and all the great work they've done this weekend. So one of the... Major stories uh, from this weekend, and I wanted to spend some time talking about it, and that was uh, the death of Tom Cole, who is a name that uh, we have talked about on on our site. Uh, I did an interview with David Bixenspan a couple of months back when he did this investigative piece for Business Insider. So I imagine it's a name that uh, people listening to this have at least heard uh, prior to this weekend, but are probably getting more familiar with the story and the details. 
it's not a fun story to talk about. It's not a era of professional wrestling that uh, I think many want to go back and either revisit or learn about for the first time. It's very dark. I think off the top is the most important part of this is that this was a man who was a husband and father of three daughters who took his life on Friday. And as much as we are going to focus a bit on the entire scandal and revisiting this, I think that is very important to note that this was a father and uh, a husband that obviously had a whole lot of, of problems. And, you know, from, from what has come out through his brother, Lee Cole, who just did this interview on Sunday, really going through this entire period with some meticulous details. I mean, it does not paint a very great prick picture of what that family was put through. And more importantly, the traumatic effects it had on Tom Cole in the ensuing years. And I'd also uh, point out to a reporter by the name of Jamie Hemmings, who wrote this piece over at Slam Wrestling. And she had been in contact with Tom Cole over the past year. And, you know, he he was struggling. It, she very much conveyed that. Like, this was someone that was angry. Um, the I, I guess, way, how much of the, this story uh, did you dive into over the weekend? And maybe even any questions that you have as well. Well, I had prior knowledge of it, of course, from your co uh, coverage of it and uh, David Bixon's man's article that recently came out. So um, beyond that, um, I really just kind of read the news of what happened. Um, it's a ter terribly sad story. It's one that is shrouded in um, kind of like small bits of information. And um, as somebody who I suppose is only trying to, you know, piece the pieces together to try to create some sort of semblance of what the truth is, it's it's kind of difficult for me to have any sort of definitive answer about like what to really like, you know, even to be able to form a true opinion other mm -hmm. than the fact that, you know, it's like incredibly tragic that clearly this man was very disturbed by what had happened to him in his life. and. Uh, this was the end result. So I, I kind of rely on, you know, journalists such as yourself to try to see what, what facts that we can learn from it all. Well, I, I would definitely uh, encourage people to go out and, and seek, um, you know, I did write a story about this on the weekend and did my best to kind of give an overview of the key points of this. Um, you know, th there are other reporters out there that have followed the story, uh, significantly in depth. I, I would mention David Bixenspan. I would include, you know, Dave Meltzer, Mike Mooneyham. I mean, there, there are a lot who have uh, covered this story and not to go through everything because it, it would be the, the whole show going through all of this, but a, a couple of notes because uh, Lee Cole, who is the older brother of Tom Cole, uh, he did this interview with Boston wrestling on Sunday. It's about a two hour interview and pretty much just going through a lot of the key parts and, you know, Tom Cole, he, he was first recruited uh, to be part of the ring crew. This was in the mid eighties uh, when he was around 15, 16 years old and he was recruited by Mel Phillips and Mel Phillips was a ring announcer, but he also handled the, the, the ring crew and recruiting, you know, ring boys that would come and do various tasks. And Mel Phillips is, an extremely troubling individual that was involved with, with this company at, at this point in time. 
Uh, he was known to have a foot fetish. And Tom Cole, I mean, has, uh, you know, talked about the, the fact that, uh, you know, that Mel Phillips would try and play with his feet and eventually told him to stop and then realized, you know, afterwards, like that was that he got less calls about coming and, and, and getting work. And then there was also Terry Garvin, who was a, an executive at the time with the company. Uh, in the, you know, Terry Garvin was somebody that propositioned Tom Cole on on two separate occasions. On, on the second of which, the very next day, this is when Tom Cole had been working out of the WWF warehouse. Uh, he was told he was no longer working there because Terry Garvin didn't want him around anymore after after a proposition at Terry Garvin's home that Tom Cole uh, turned down. So he left the company and was pretty upset about this. And it was only several years later when he informed his brother of the problems that he had there and, and what went down. And it was Lee Cole that was the one that reached out uh, to, uh, it was Phil Mushnick, who was a columnist with the New York Post and got the ball rolling about taking these stories to the media uh, and it was a reporter by the name of Jeff Savage who first first wrote about these to my understanding uh, in San Diego uh, for the newspaper there. And that kind of started a bit uh, of a media whirlwind about uh, covering this. There was a lawsuit that was never officially filed, but that was the direction that things were going, that, that Tom Cole was going to file a lawsuit against the company. And he ended up, uh, to make a long story short – getting his old job back and got $55,000 in back pay, went back to the company. And it was with the provision that uh, Mel Phillips and Terry Garvin, uh, they were gone from the company. Uh, also leaving the company was Pat Patterson. And Pat Patterson is one that, I mean, in, in the reporting from Tom Cole had, he has said in a deposition that, you know, he, that Pat Patterson had had grabbed him from behind. Uh, in later years, he had stated the fact that Pat Patterson never did anything with kids, but he had, you know, he was someone that he said, you know, depending on who you hear from, Pat Patterson has always maintained his innocence. Uh, those uh, those close to him have uh, defended him that he would do things that probably not appropriate by today's standards. I would say for someone in his role that uh, grabbing anyone regardless is not a great thing to be doing. Uh, but Pat Patterson is, was, was part of this and was eventually brought back to the company. And that's essentially where things were in mid 92 by 1993, uh, Tom Cole is let go by the company once again and really kind of disappeared for a number of years until he resurfaced in the late 90s. He did an interview with the Wrestling Perspective outlet and, you know, did a few media appearances. Uh, a couple of times, every few years, Mike Mooneyham would write an article um, catching up with Tom Cole and, and covered this throughout the years. And it was largely like a story that existed out there, but one that uh, Tom Cole kind of just removed himself from that public spotlight. It wasn't until Linda McMahon was running for Senate that his name popped up again. 
And that was when a Politico did an article examining the scandal. And according to Lee Cole in this interview with Boston Wrestling, it was it was a Jerry McDivitt who reached out to Tom Cole and they were able to get a statement in support of Linda McMahon from Tom Cole. And that was kind of the last people had heard of, of Tom Cole in the last number of years. But it was uh, this reporter, Jamie Hemmings at Slam Wrestling, that spoke to him over the past year. And one of his final text messages to her was after Pat Patterson had died. And it it came across from Tom Cole that it was more so his belief that Pat Patterson was guilty of having knowledge of what was going on. And that was essentially a, a source of anger for him that, you know, he was aware of what was going on and the fact that Pat Patterson was being celebrated after his, his passing. Um, now others have said that Patterson was innocent, that he was lumped into a lot of this. So there is a lot of source of, uh, uh, I think friction based on who you hear from regarding Pat Patterson. So those are, that's a bit of, of the overview of a very complicated story, especially to go through in, in this kind of form. So I do encourage a lot of people to go seek out uh, a number of these interviews that are out there and the different pieces that have been been put out together. And the, the details, like they are very grim. They're, it's, a very, it's a very dark tale uh, that, that is painted here. And if you go based on what Lee Cole identified in this Boston wrestling interview that that this was a very prevalent problem uh beyond just tom cole so it's um it's an awful story but one that is very important that it does not just get uh brushed aside or forgotten about it's sometimes these stories that are the most uncomfortable that have to be confronted and addressed so i don't really have anything to add beyond that uh other than alerting people to different areas to go uh, check out on on this story. It unfortunately had a very tragic ending on Friday as Tom Cole was only uh, 50 years of age and it was discovered Friday night. That's that's when the news came out about his passing. Yeah, our condolences um, to his family. Um, we will move on from there. Um, we have a few other topics to discuss. Um, Hanukkah Mora, there is going to be a tribute show for her uh, May the 23rd uh, that her mother is uh, planning uh, together. This was announced earlier today that she has been in discussions with Stardom and Bushi Road. And uh, this was translated by uh, Farah Akase of the Japan Times um, that uh, this is from uh, Kyoko Kimura, her mother. And she said that in speaking to Stardom and Bushi Road, they acknowledged that Hana had been working hard for their company and promised that they will take better care of their athletes in the future. After learning their lesson from Hana, they were not able to protect her from the cruel slander and apologized in the future for the sake of Hana and other athletes and the fans. I will choose a path of reconciliation and cooperation. She goes on to say um, uh, the fact that she would be uh, grateful for those that share photos and videos of Hana and by sending athletes to the memorial event that she is organizing. So that is going to be May 23rd at Core Cuban Hall. Uh, no other details about uh, availability in terms of being able to, uh, to watch this tribute show. Or in fact, if uh, Bushi Road, I mean, it sounds like she has been in contact with them. Uh, if there will be representation from stardom on this show, which would, you know, 
you, you would think that that's where this is this is leading to. Uh, but this will May twenty third, of course, is the one year anniversary of a uh, uh, of Hana's uh, passing last year. I certainly hope um, Bushi Road and Stardom are on board with something like this, and that they would be able to supply you know my name Hana's former colleagues and friends to be able to do a show like this. I think it would be a terrible look if they somehow restricted. Um, and I certainly hope that you know if there's some form of you know, uh, way to Hanukkah or sorry, uh, Kyoko did mention that uh, just to clarify, no money was, was exchanged in any sort of this, you know, um, what, what kind of reads as a bit of a forgiveness letter to, you know, uh, stardom and Bushi road. So, um, you know, as far as we're aware, um, I, I, I certainly hope there's a component to this memorial show that, uh, would allow audiences to be able to throw some financial support to her uh for for everything so uh yeah uh we'll we'll wait the details uh i'm i'm kind of going to approach this this next story just with your your overall assessment of of how it is uh covered and that was uh today that there was uh, all of these photos that were discovered of uh Chris Jericho's wife uh Jessica attending uh at the Capitol on January 6th. And I've, as a general rule, I, I typically believe that family members of people we cover are kind of, it's private, it's off limits. In this one, this is a, you know, it's it's not like this was necessarily hidden. Like Jericho has tagged his wife. He has got an enormous following on Instagram. So it was not surprising that this was going to be found uh, in addition to that, it appears that you know she was there with her sister and her mother, which would be Chris's mother-in-law. Now, her mother-in-law, they have also uh, found you know a a social media footprint that uh, has uh, about as you know every conspiratorial meme that you could imagine is is can probably be found. Uh, some very offensive posts uh, as well, but. In in terms of the like, how much of a public story do you feel that this warrants being? Chris was not at this. Uh, I think a lot of people have seen uh, Chris's politics o- over the last year, and we'll attach that. But as an individual story, like, do you feel this is something that is uh, that 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 should be covered in in the same light as a wrestling related story? Not by a site like ours. I think it's a topic of conversation. Whatever, whatever people want to talk about becomes a topic of conversation. You know, whatever gets retweeted, whatever gets thrown out there that people want to carry on conversation, like on message boards, whatever, sure. But I personally don't think it's a story for a news site. Um, as far as I'm aware, it's like she attended. Um, I don't believe she was a part of the actual riots. Um, so... No indication of that. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's no, there's no, to me, news there. Um, It's a different story if, if Chris is there and this wouldn't all be that, that different. Like uh, Pat Militich was seen there at at the Capitol and LFA, which is the MMA group he was doing commentary for, like they, they were very uncomfortable because a picture surfaced of Pat. Uh, standing with another individual who had this patch on uh, that had the acronym for right wing death squad. 
and LFA made the call that we are going we wanted to distance ourselves from Pat Militich and they were going to investigate but they took him off their next broadcast. I mean that is, you know, it was there was no indication of him participating in anything, but that was enough that they were going to distance themselves from Pat Militich. I would say this is a much uh, different story if, yeah, if she's Chris not Jericho, an employee. Exactly. And that's uh, like that. That is where. Yeah. Sorry. It it goes, you know, it, like the Gina Carano thing is somewhat related to this. There's still plenty of debate going on about Disney's decision uh, regarding her. But, you know, bottom line is if somebody is an employee of somebody else, I mean, they have you know, reason to, to be able to release you or at least uh, suspend you or suspend you from working for that particular broadcast or whatever show it was uh, for a variety of factors. And I don't think those rules necessarily need to, you know, comply with like somebody breaking the law. Um, They can bench you for any reason. That's what I, you know, see with the Militich thing and what I don't see with something like this. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree with you. Our final story, way a lighter one. <laughs> Keiji Muto has signed. I know. When I was putting it together, I'm like, man, these are some heavy subjects that we are covering at the beginning. It's uh, a good Keiji rebound Mu- from Valentine's Day, I think. You, I understand you did see the, the Muto match on on Friday. I did, yeah, yeah. And what did you think? Uh, I thought the guy looked pretty good for his age. Um, you know, I, and I kind of, you know, let it be known on friday that i'm not against something like this i mean i don't necessarily hold um the prestige uh at this point of the ghc title nor i, I you know from what i hear goshi ozaki's reign was tremendous had a great you know uh, line of matches um but i wasn't necessarily watching and i wasn't even talking or thinking about it and a move like this did at least get me to watch a noah match so from my perspective i thought it was a positive move uh, but if you're somebody who, you know, does hold those things in very high regard, I can see it being a very negative thing. So it's very much, I guess, you know, similar to what the Goldberg thing is, although I find myself more on the kind of casual side of things with that. I think that their goal was to attract someone like you to be interested in this. I, I did not have an issue with the decision to to go with uh, Mudo. I mean... The guy for 58, I think, tried to put out the best match he absolutely could and I think greatly overexceeded. There were some very scary spots in this match. Um, you know, this was not a flawless match by any stretch, but to me, um, he worked super hard. Uh, they they drew over 4,100 people to Budokan Hall for this show, and I think you have to be fair and give Mudo uh, at least a uh, significant part of that credit to be able to attract that audience given the state that Noah is in. And I think that ultimately you have to, this is, this is part one of, I think, uh, I will say maybe step two of a significant uh, path that they're going on in terms of this story where Mudo beat Kaido Kiyomiya last August. And it was very much um, met with resistance that Mudo would come in and beat your, uh, your future star or, to even some current star. But I think that this plays out, that this will be a significant deal, whoever beats Mudo. And uh, that takes us to the announcement that Mudo, he signed a two-year deal, and he will defend his title against Kaido Kiyomiya on a national holiday, Wei Ting's birthday, March 14th. Oh, awesome. What a treat. What a birthday. What a birthday present. Uh, I I think for, for me, at least part of the appeal is seeing like how 
how good of a match a 58 year old can continue to have and the main event of a very uh you know demanding style and company so i'll watch that yeah i i would say like if you are interested in jumping into noah this is a show to definitely uh try out i i wouldn't recommend the entire show watch the second half of the show and i think that will give you a, a strong sense of noah and their their big programs and on top of it if you do uh get the english commentary uh the commentary team consisted of Stuart Fulton and Mark Pickering, and I thought these two did a fantastic job. Uh, it's the first time I had heard them uh, do- doing commentary together, and I think that for those that maybe are not familiar with all the stories or characters in Noah, um, they do a real great job of bringing you up to speed. And you know, English commentary can serve as that bridge point for a lot of newer fans that want to get into a new international product, but uh, sometimes it's uh, daunting when you... Uh, don't don't have that that commentary to inform you of a lot of the characters and stories that are going on. So I, I thought overall it was a very strong show. As I as I said, I I think you could certainly put this as a candidate for show of the year, uh, along with Takeover over the past couple of days. So that a is a review news. of that show uh, on Post Pro Res, which just released on the free feed this weekend. Also wanted to give some shout outs to John Cena who. Uh, gave us Bloodsport 4 as well as Impact No Surrender reviews on the website. So if you go to postwrestling.com, you can read all about those. And quickly, uh, this week on the cafe, Tuesday, we are back reviewing another takeover, Our Evolution from December 2014, featuring Neville versus Sami Zayn, title versus career. Will Sami Zayn's career end seven years ago? Find out on Tuesday. Could be a conspiracy. Uh, also, also this show featuring uh, the debuts, uh, the NXT debuts, really the WWE debuts of Kevin Owens, Hideo Itami, and Finn Balor. So a really big show, a really, you know, maybe to some a big turning point within NXT, of course, with a big show closing angle after the signature uh, appears as well on this one. And then uh, we've got uh, our regular shows on Wednesday night. We'll be live with Dynamite at 1015 Eastern for our Double Double Plus patrons. Thursday, it's the return of the wellness policy. Yeah, I'm really excited to bring this one back. Uh, great response to the first one that I did with Jordan about a, really a month ago. It doesn't really feel like it's a, a month, but uh, we are back 3 o'clock p.m. Eastern on Thursday, uh, live for all cafe patrons, and then we'll make the show free for everybody else on this feed afterwards. Uh, we'll be talking about you know, habit formation, uh, basically how we can kind of use some of the psychology of uh, habit making to our advantage. And we'll be talking in particular, really just like uh, to all of you, um, but in, we'll, Jordan and I will also be talking about a book called Atomic Habits by James Clear. But uh, more importantly, it's a chance to for you guys to call in and to be able to speak to Jordan and myself and really just the entire audience. So three o'clock Eastern time, postwrestlingcafe.com for all people who want to tune in live and then free afterwards for everybody else. And uh, last thing we'll mention is that Sunday night we'll be live for our double-double ice cap and espresso patrons after Elimination Chamber. So the pay-per-view ends, and then you can jump right onto the live stream with myself and Mr. Ting. Lots of shows this week, uh, more than we can list, but the whole schedule's up at postwrestling.com. Everything from the wellness policy to a review of Central Intelligence. We have you covered this week. Ooh, amazing. Sweet. And of course, Rwanda Vision this weekend too. Oh my goodness! Yes, yes. Yeah. I was after uh, an insane number of days. I finally finished everything last night. I think I finished Takeover around midnight, 
And then I said, I could go to sleep right now, but I've got to watch WandaVision first. And that was, that was how I ended my weekend. Well, what are you doing this weekend, John? This weekend? Uh, what does that mean? I don't know. <laughs> I don't Can know we get John Pollock on WandaVision? Putting you I on the spot. Not this weekend. I can't do this. Not this weekend. weekend. Okay, well. Maybe another at some one. Point, at some point, everybody will do our best. I'm like one of the on. people right at the edge of Westview, okay? Right near Ellis Avenue, okay? That's that's how uh, I feel most, most nights. He's playing hard to get everybody. It's it, you got to build long-term for this one. How many episodes is, are, are left? Three? Uh, three rumored four. Like, there's a rumored tenth, but who knows if that's true. So, Well, tonight... Uh, much like WandaVision apparently is going to be increasing the length to an hour. Is that uh, that's what I've heard. Yeah, the remaining oh, episodes what... are going to be an hour long. That's that's again, that's the rumor. Well, that's what Raw felt like doing for the third hour tonight. Let's make this gauntlet match an hour. And that's how the show would end. But the show began with Ms. TV. Ms. brought out Drew McIntyre and said John Morrison is off making a diss track for Bad Bunny. So there was no John Morrison on the show. Miz kept calling him Andy, and Drew did not like this. And Drew, said if uh, he, Andy as in like Andrew? Yeah. Drew? Yes. Right. And he warns Miz, don't interrupt me. He interrupted him, so he hit him with the Glasgow kiss, and then his signature spot, taking the briefcase and launching it into the, into the abyss. So last time he actually hit the LED board and actually, you know, took out a bit of the LED board. I don't believe he did that this time, but it was still an incredibly impressive throw. Yeah, I wonder if this guy did like discus or, you know, uh, briefcase toss, briefcase tossing in school. It is an Olympic sport, yes. So <laughs> anyway, Miz recovers in the ring. He says that uh, Drew has to go through five people in the elimination chamber just to get to WrestleMania. I don't have to have that same pressure because I have this contract. And just because I say I'm going to cash in my contract doesn't mean I will. I'm thinking on a different level as a master strategist. And I'm putting both champions on notice. And as a result, I'm taking myself out of the Elimination Chamber match. I thought this was a pretty interesting wrinkle into things. I think if you're the Miz... It's a logical move for the character to make, especially, you know, a cowardly heel heel one. Like, Why would you want to be it, in this match to begin with? Exactly. Well, why would Take you? yourself out. So I'm, I'm glad they didn't do qualifying matches last week. They would have made this one a little bit harder to uh, stomach if the guy was deciding, I'm taking myself out after working so hard to get in. But they didn't, so all was fine. <sighs> Riddle met up with the Lucha House Party to wish his muchachos... Happy President's Day. It's like they yeah. just get excited now when there's any kind of theme day for a riddle promo. He asks the Lucha House Party, who's their favorite president? Listing off Abraham Lincoln with the zombies, Teddy Roosevelt, or his favorite, Harrison Ford, who saved... Which movie, which, which movie is he referencing? Did Harrison Ford play president? In a film? Um, he must have played the president in some uh, film. Maybe the chat room can inform us. Okay. Air Force One. Oh, right. Lindsay yeah, okay. says... Everybody's going to type in Air Force One now. Lindsay says all of those... When he's asked who his favorite president is, he can't name just one. 
because all those presidents are too lucha lit. You realize at this point, it's like this is all this they have um, as a gimmick. You know, it's lucha lit is about the the most kind of character development that they've had. Did we really have Lince Dorado characterize Richard Nixon as lucha lit on this show? Yeah, I think so. Uh, Riddle made some Michael Hayes Freebird jokes. And then we had a six-man tag. Riddle, Lince, and Grand Metalik against Cedric Alexander, Shelton Benjamin, and MVP. The groan you heard was Way, who realizes <laughs> we're in for a long one here. This one went 10 minutes and 9 seconds. Um, notable in this match was when MVP got the tag. He came in, went to throw a clothesline, and his knee buckled. And he was, like, limping uh, throughout this time. Even the ball and elbow he had to do on one he was hopping. It was a hopping elbow. I didn't really notice. Yeah. Well, Lucha House Party, they run in to help Riddle. There's a lumbar check onto Metalik, and then Riddle hits the final flash, taking Benjamin out and pins MVP with the floating bro. Yeah. So he gets the win here. I guess manages to look strong against the rest of the team, but uh, ultimately will succumb to Bobby Lashley. That's right. Matt Riddle going into this three way gets annihilated by Bobby Lashley on the ramp, and he is placed into the hurt lock, and Lashley leaves all three baby faces left for dead here on the ramp. And that is our go-home segment for this three-way match on Sunday. Again, no Keith Lee on this show. That's right. There was no Keith Lee. So there was. Mm-hmm. this was all the build we got for this U.S. title match, was uh, laying out one of the challengers. Man, they're they're making Riddle look so weak. You really have to wonder if this is their way of setting up (laughs) him beating Bobby Lashley somehow or pinning Keith Lee or something to allow him to to win. It just, I'm I'm just uh, kind of continued to be amazed at how weak they're making him look. The Miz met with Adam Pearce and thanks him for being, for giving him a chance to be in the chamber, but he wants to give back to someone up and coming, someone who's deserving, and suggest John Morrison take his place. Pierce will take that into consideration. Bad Bunny is hanging out with Mandy Rose. This was the most natural backstage conversation where you were just a fly on the wall among uh, two people having a chat. (laughs) She compliments him and says, points out his own shirt that she's wearing. And then asks him, do you have an extra for my partner, Dana Brooke? And good luck on SNL. So she walks off after speaking to Bad Bunny to go inform her partner, Dana Brooke, that she will get her an extra shirt from the guy that will be on SNL this Saturday. And he's like checking her out. And then Damien Priest appears to remind us that he is in fact appearing on SNL. This Saturday. Out of nowhere, Tozawa is pinning R-Truth and wins the 24-7 title, then walks into Priest, who drills him into an equipment box, leading to Bad Bunny pinning Akira Tozawa, and Truth yells for Damian Priest to take care of my baby and tell Lorne Michaels to stop ducking his calls. I would love to hear Lorne Michaels get a phone call asking him to do an angle with Bad Bunny on Saturday with Bad Bunny losing the 24-7 title. 
I think at most you might see the 24-7 title like, you know, where like on the stage as a prop or something. But not for one second do I think they'll let them have R-Truth pin Bad Bunny or anything like that. One last like... If I was SNL, I would be like kicking and screaming saying we are not doing that. But listen, if if WWE... It's all gravy for WWE. If they can get an angle on SNL, good for them. I mean, they did do the Michael Che, Colin Joe stuff. But if I'm Bad Bunny, I was like, I do not want to do this on SNL. <laughs> oh, yeah, this. come on. Like, man, you've got some real, like, actual currency in celebrity culture. I don't know if you would necessarily want to uh, do this. But for WWE, hey, if they can do it, more power to them in this uh, NBC universe. I suppose it's possible that I, I think you could have somebody like a Michael Che or Colin Joe's pin him backstage in a segment that will air on Monday, for instance. Um, I just don't see it happening on NBC itself, although it's the same family right now, isn't yeah, it? It's And hey, they are more invested than ever in WWE. So, I mean, it, w- it would not surprise me. But um, hey, we'll, we'll see what they do on Saturday. New Day are with Adam Pierce, and Kofi wants into the chamber. Uh, it took them like 10 years to explain all of this. Miz shows up, and they argue over whether John Morrison should be allowed into the match. He's a he's a former champion, but Miz reminds us he they say he was not a former champion, and that's when Miz says he was a former ECW champion. Yes, a nice callback. Yeah, I was waiting for one of them to say, "Oh right, he replaced Benoit that night and beat CM Punk to become the ECW champion." That's right. Uh, Miz and Kofi gets announced, and Kofi says this will be the start of Kofi Mania Two. Miz says sequels suck. And the New Day says, we know, and lists off all his Marine movies produced by WWE Studios. <laughs> it's been a while since we've had, we've had one. Lacey Evans then cuts a promo on Charlotte. She has brought her a sweetheart candy that reads, bite me. And Asuka will be giving her a gift of her own on Sunday. So a blatant lie here, knowing what was she was about to announce here. Well, they never canceled the match. I think the match is still set to occur. Well, I, I don't know if it will be happening. Oscar and Charlotte against Lacey Evans and Peyton Royce. It is all Peyton. And she is hit with a fallaway slam. Lacey is just hiding in the corner. And Peyton's in here for a long time. Finally, Lacey gets tagged. And Flair approaches her. And Evans goes to the floor. Charlotte's being held back. And Evans says, you can't put a hand on me. Because I'm pregnant. And Rick is just celebrating. He is so excited at this news. Charlotte looks disgusted. And that is how the segment ends. And since that time, uh, Wrestling Inc. and PW Insider are reporting that this is a legitimate pregnancy. I have not confirmed this on my own, but those two outlets reporting this is a legitimate pregnancy. And it looks like this... uh, will probably take Lacey Evans out. Wow. Okay. Um, seems like it's an end to the storyline, I guess. <laughs> and um, uh, congratulations to her, first of all. That's wonderful news. But congratulations to all of us, because this storyline has been terrible and uh, didn't really care to see the match anyway. So let's just start all over. Yeah, it's just going to be... Um... Yeah, everyone's going to wake up and it'll be a new new set of circumstances beginning next week. Charlie interviewed Sheamus. 
Guess what? He thinks he's going to win this gauntlet match tonight and the title on Sunday. Kofi Kingston versus The Miz. Miz attacked his neck. Kingston hit this jumping stomp coming back. And then Miz bends his knee over the rope, applies the figure four. Kofi gets to the rope. And then as Kingston goes uh, after the skull crushing finale gets countered, uh, there's a roll up. Kofi lands the trouble in paradise and he pins the Miz in 14 minutes, but hurting his knee in the process. So Kofi, after doing 14 minutes, will have to enter the gauntlet later on. But Kofi gets the spot in the elimination chamber. Did this not make the most sense in the world to somehow involve Ali trying to get that spot in the elimination chamber that Kofi took from him two years ago? I mean, I really feel like it would have built up to, you know, his attack at the end of the night. Uh, but I, I I really do feel like they are going to save that for Sunday. If they don't save Ali attacking Kofi um, for Sunday, if they don't do it oh, at all. Oh, you think like Ali takes him out before the match? Something like that. Sure. You could do it. I, I mean, that would progress the story like the... This turning the tables. I actually thought it was really smart the way they got Kofi into this whole scenario because uh, it is exactly a replica of Kofi Mania and what that was, you know, down to the gauntlet match and then heading into the elimination chamber. Um, so, you know, it's something Ali has been reminding us of for several weeks now, and it's the perfect opportunity for him to get some sort of revenge to break off into Ali versus Kofi. So um, I, I liked all of this, you know, in terms of story. They recapped my hole from last week. So Lana and Naomi did an interview. And Lana, she just wants to be her best. It may have been luck that Nia went through that table last week. But I just want to reach my full potential. Winning is just a cherry on top. And I've got Naomi to keep me in check. And then they both took turns making hole jokes. I thought it was going to be way more annoying this week with the whole jokes than what they did. This was our only really uh, beating a joke into the ground moment. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll see uh, if, if there's any more to come with this whole thing. But um, I, you know, I'm seeing them continuing to push Lana as a baby face here. And it's so like, it's not working at all. This felt so like, so over the top that it felt so insincere. Like she was just well, like, it was, I, I, you have to believe that it's like, you know, done to set up some sort of turn, right. As, as these things tend to usually go in pro wrestling. I just feel like Naomi has come in here after like, you know, months of being away and for her to simply be a side character, like a sidekick to Lana. And to me would feel like an incredible waste for her. So I have to think that they, she, she, they've got a bigger role crafted for her than just this. Randy Orton cut a promo. He's got unfinished business with Drew. He's going to win the gauntlet tonight and I'll do whatever it takes. He said he lit the fiend on fire. Now he is no more. He's going to win the title main event, WrestleMania, and there will be five victims of the RKO tonight, but then he gets cut off and we go inside the dark Firefly Funhouse, and there is Alexa Bliss. Earth to earth, ashes to ashes, dust to dust, and proclaims that the Fiend will be reborn in the future. And we we see her uh, surrounded by candles with a, with a pentagram star dra- drawn on the floor. And she laughs maniacally because she has just taken over 
the production equipment. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's right. So, uh, teasing the Fiend's return. They plugged Young Rock that debuts on NBC tomorrow night. Are you going to be checking this out? Maybe after the fact. I mean, it looks fun. What do you think? Yeah, I'm I'm kind of interested to to watch it. It's a half hour. Mm-hmm. If I can find a half hour, I'll watch it. Shayna Baszler and Lana. Baszler beat the hell out of her. Lana fought back. It wasn't all that great. Bulldog gets stopped. Then, suddenly we got a pair of head kicks back and forth, and each go down. Miracle Krokop here, seeping their influence on Lana's uh, attack game. Jax attacks Naomi on the floor, and then Shayna takes off Lana's head with her knee, applies the Kirafuda clutch, and Lana taps out at 421, which doesn't matter because winning is only the cherry on top. It's about Lana reaching her full potential. Man, I'm not exactly sure what the point of of all this was because last week they gave Lana the big table spot, and this week she just They became the number one contenders. Um... Okay, I guess so. But it's not worth maintaining that momentum? I guess not. Like, no, it's 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 not about winning. Lana Lana made this clear. It's not about winning. All right. Adam Pierce is on his phone. Braun Strowman shows up and he wants to know why he isn't in the chamber match. He makes his case saying, "I'm a former Universal Champion." And Adam Pierce's response technically not a WWE champion and Braun says Shane McMahon needs to make this right or it isn't going to be pretty around here so maybe that's the match that we're going to get Shane is just teasing matches with everybody he's oh, going to work got... Drew he's going to work Braun work Adam Pierce. he's going <laughs> to just run the gauntlet with people Omos why not yeah he's Shane and Omos together that would that would be something Sure. Yeah. Oh my god. Maybe like maybe Shane like, you know, ended up not paying him his final check for being oh, the bodyguard at Raw yes. Underground. Yep. And then after Omos is selling for Shane, he's gonna wind up with his fist and say, You feel unpaid? Well here comes the money. Oh, very nice. SmackDown on Friday will have a six man tag on the last show before the chamber. Roman Reigns Jay Uso and the man that poured dog food over Roman, King Corbin. I would never in my life team with someone that poured dog food all over me. And they did it to one another. That would be unforgivable. You know, it's a, more than a year ago. I mean, water under the bridge. They will take on Kevin Owens, Cesaro, and Daniel Bryan. AJ and Omos come out. They tell Kingston, just to be positive, this is going to be a warm-up. AJ's going to ruin Kofi Mania 2. He crunched the numbers with Joseph Park. It is statistically impossible that AJ could lose on Sunday. Statistically impossible. Okay. I'd love to know some of that math, but sure. I think Joseph Park was the one who did that survey a few years ago and said that there were... 75 million WWE fans around the world or whatever ridiculous <laughs> number it was. Gauntlet match. This took up the whole last hour of the show. And given when it started, like you knew it was going to be the whole hour as well. So you really had to brace yourself. I, I'm going to be interested to see if 
the gauntlet is enough of a of an attraction for people to help this third hour, or it was just so telegraphed that man, it's going to be an hour that people were not going to stick around, knowing that it was going an hour. I wonder. I mean, how have previous gauntlet matches done? Um, I mean, we I don't think they've ever done one to close the show because the one they did years ago, that one where Seth Rollins went forever, and it was. God, that was like an hour and a half match or something. That was in the middle of the show, if not starting it. So you didn't you didn't know when the end point was going to come. This one, you knew this was going till the end of the show. Hmm. So it started with AJ and Kofi Kingston. They went eleven minutes and four seconds, and Styles goes to the knee, attacking the uh, the previously injured body part, and after Kofi delivers a trust fall off the middle rope to the floor. Woods is playing his trombone when all of a sudden a, a hand grabs Woods by the throat and Omos lifts him up in the air. We've got the low angle camera shot. So it looked like he was going to lift Xavier through the stadium wall uh, roof, uh, as some would call it. And then Omos was ejected. Yeah, they love that Andre shot, you know. I I was talking to someone during Raw tonight, and it's very notable as well, like, how how little they are comfortable Omos doing. Like, the extent of his offense is, like, lifting a guy. They've been very careful in protecting this guy at every turn. Like, standing tall next to Shane, standing tall next to AJ, lift a guy, say a word. You know what I mean? It's like they... How many times do we see someone where they just race him into matches and physicality? Like they have been very, very uh, conservative uh, with with Omos. They've been protecting him, and I can't really say it's been ineffective. I think it's fine in the, in this role. I guess the question is like, is it? Uh, you know, at, at what point are they going to just? break him free because they typically they run to that stuff fairly quickly but they've been very patient in leaving AJ and Omos together as just this act for now but ultimately like their plans for Omos uh, we will see when they break him off in due time Kofi fights back there was this awkward splash onto AJ's back and he hurts the knee AJ snaps it and hits the phenomenal forearm 11 minutes 4 seconds AJ Styles advances Kofi does not you know I thought they were really going to do the Kofi Mania replica replication, you know, just to set up the Ollie thing again, but they wanted to save the Iron Man stuff for Drew. So I have to think that they might be saving Ollie for Sunday. Yeah, Drew was the next one in and he would go super long here. Him and AJ went over 18 minutes. And the first part of this was Drew just dominating AJ. He was destroying him so much so that Tom Phillips said it's shades of the Scottish psychopath. Several nicknames ago. Uh, there's a forearm off the apron by AJ. This set up the commercial break. And when he hit this forearm, Drew crashes his the back of his head into the post. That looked uh, not fun. Drew came off the top, was met with an insiguri. The calf crusher is applied. Drew breaks free. AJ goes to the apron for the phenomenal forearm. Drew ducks and hits the Claymore. 18-11, Drew McIntyre advances. Very good match, I thought. These two given a lot of time, and um, it was really Drew, Drew was very good in the gauntlet. Mm-hmm. Yes. For someone that had to be out there for a long period of time. Mm-hmm. But he was only the second best part of this match. The first was this 
inset <laughs> promo from Jeff Hardy. He says he needs to take more risks because it's all worth it for the WWE title. And then, in a phrase that better be his new trademark, get the t-shirts ready, Jeff Hardy announces to the world, let's get creative. It's time to paint. What a catch. No! <laughs> um, let's get creative. It's time to paint. Best catchphrase of all time. The best of all time. I just, this is a laugh out loud moment for me. <laughs> Jeff Hardy, in some ways, Jeff Hardy has to be credited as maybe the most charismatic individual because only Jeff Hardy can say stuff like this. And there's people that are like, yeah, cool. It's Jeff Hardy. Jeff Hardy can get away with, let's get creative. It's time to paint. It, it, it makes a lot of sense, I think, for him. So Jeff hits a clothesline off the apron and an, another addition to Jeff's game now, starting, starting his own chant, Hardy, Hardy. And the screen started not yelling Hardy because they can't. I wonder if he had, like, had some sort of communication with the audio guy prior to this. Like, can you get the Hardy chant uh, MP3 file up and running? And this... Audio guy must have missed it because it was really strange why he would call for something and not have them play it. Drew hit a future shock to counter the twist of fate. There's a superplex. Hardy avoids the claymore, hits the twist of fate, goes for the swanton onto Drew's knees, and Drew hits the claymore, pinning Jeff Hardy. 12 minutes and three seconds, uh, which means we're up to uh, 29 minutes of match time so far for Drew McIntyre. Yeah, a long match. Wow. You got a bit of a breather after this. Randy Orton comes out and they reminded us unfinished business, unfinished business. Orton is quickly sent to the floor and then every single screen in the Thunderdome is taken over by the image of Alexa Bliss laughing maniacally. And this is so much for Randy. He just cannot concentrate on the task at hand and he's counted out. And then he goes to return to the ring, and he's hit with a claymore. This went 64 seconds. Drew McIntyre advances, and Randy Orton loses to the screens. To the screens, yes. Uh, I mean, I thought this was a pretty easy way out. You know, gives Drew a break. Uh, they just they did let him have that claymore at the end, though, just to be able to claim that he did claymore everybody. And then Drew McIntyre and Sheamus is the final match. Drew is waiting for Sheamus as his music plays when Sheamus jumps him from behind and he beats down Drew. He destroys him. Drew is down in the corner. The referee comes over, says, Drew, just tell me, do you want me to start the match? And Drew was huffing and puffing and he said, you know what? The pay-per-view's on Sunday. I've got to defend this title. It's probably best that I just call it a day. I've been through quite a bit already for the last half hour. Let Sheamus go in last. I think that's the smarter play for me. And I am going to remove myself from this match. And we're just going to give it a go in a couple of days. Once I have had a chance to recover, maybe get some deep tissue massage. I'm out. I'm out. I'm done. Very logical, logical explanation. I can't believe you're able to transcribe all that. Yeah, well, Drew said yes. I will just ring the damn bell. And 
Drew fought back. He hit the Glasgow kiss, the Future Shock DDT, and then a spine buster. He's setting up for the Claymore. Sheamus sidesteps, brogue kick, and Sheamus pins Drew McIntyre. A very rare pinfall loss for Drew McIntyre, but I will say... Um, of all the people in this match, this is the one I think you could justify doing it for. And this was the only way this gauntlet makes sense. You are prioritizing the last entrant on Sunday. So by default, the last entrant in this match needs to win the match to put over the significance of entering last. So they booked this properly. Sheamus wins. Didn't really give away the match. It was five minutes. And then Sheamus bragged about being the odds-on favorite, even though it's statistically impossible that AJ will lose on Sunday. But he's going to prove tonight wasn't a fluke by becoming champion on Sunday. It was a very long match, but I think um, if you watch this Scotland match on its own, I think you would enjoy it. I thought it was well-booked. I think it continues the trend of them really figuring out a good formula to treat these gauntlet matches, putting the focus with that Iron Man spot to one single person, and if you're going to have Drew McIntyre take a pinfall at the end of a match, you have to have it come at the end of a long, crueling performance uh, in order to really protect him. And I thought they managed to do that. I thought Drew did really well throughout the pretty much like the bulk of this hour. And uh, I think the finish builds well to the chamber and builds well to the eventual match between Drew and Sheamus. I like the gauntlet overall. I mean, it was uh, the whole last hour of the show, but I thought I thought Drew was very strong. I I enjoyed Drew and AJ. Drew and Jeff was 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 pretty good for what it was. Like really, we just the silliness with Randy. It was it was a very small part of the match, so I could stomach it. I didn't mind it so much because, like, I think in a match with so many five of like very similar looking matches there's room to do something wacky uh as long as it doesn't end the match this was just you know a bit of an interlude um and kind of excused the guy and gave another guy a break so we'll see i mean i'm sure the fiend stuff will continue into sunday as well so that was the go home show i i was hardly as uh just baffled as i have been some prior episodes of raw i mean this one it's i, I can't say i am um Super enthused for the pay per view on Sunday, but I will. Mm-hmm. I, I was, I was never uh, dumbfounded during that. That's not true. I probably was at points, but definitely less than some prior episodes of Raw. So on the scale that we are grading, uh, this was this was a better Raw. Well, to me, the 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 most kind of baffling thing was the whole pregnancy deal. But if you know, the reports are true that it's an actual legitimate pregnancy, then um, I understand why they did it. The rest of it was, I mean, this is not, I think this is a pay-per-view that is going to definitely suffer from a bit of like, you know, in between rumble and mania uh, lull, like without much. It's it's not even the big show in between the two, because you can bet that fast lane show being the first one on Peacock is going to be the real show that they, I could see that one, like, they want to amp that one up a bit. Um, this mm-hmm. is, like, this feels like the ultimate buffer show that I don't think um, sets up too much. Um, of all the championships, I mean, it really does seem unlikely that any either of them will change hands come the Elimination Chamber. Uh, you have The Miz, you know, continuing to tease this briefcase a whole lot. But it's really hard for me to see either Drew or Roman to be, you know, stripped of their belts. Um, of all the titles that might change, I, I definitely see Asuka being the most likely candidate. Um, but she's not even, well, she is defending. Well, we'll see what happens with that. Doesn't have an opponent right now. Um, hmm. 
I get. I would not want to take the title off Drew now unless they feel they're coming back with Drew and Sheamus a couple of weeks later, and they need to do Drew going back for his title. So I, I don't. I don't dismiss it out of hand. Um, but but that I guess it, the match at Fastlane. I it mean, has to only, be. I would say. Yeah. Um, I I think Drew is is not able to beat Sheamus on Sunday. It's like if either Sheamus wins or Sheamus is eliminated otherwise, and then Drew needs to get his win back, and that could be Fastlane. I just hate the idea of like Drew kind of you know getting that redemptive win you know a month before WrestleMania when three weeks before just, WrestleMania. Yeah, I just think it really like interrupts you know the, a grander story. But then again, I guess what grander story could you have if Drew just retained? Um, so what, who, who are the candidates for you right now as we speak of let, let's, let's go with the assumption that is Drew defending the title at WrestleMania. Who are the prospects to be that match? Yeah. Um, that's a tough one too. Cause at this point I don't see it being somebody like Goldberg. Um, who else were we thinking? I mean, if Sheamus is going to be, you know, Sheamus is not big enough for a, for a WrestleMania match with Drew. Um, who else, who else is kind of in the running? Bobby Lashley. Yeah, well, Ashley. I think he has to be figured in. Um, if if you're unless going Riddle with... beats him, well, even if Riddle beats him, I guess it's fine. Riddle can p- pin Keith Lee, or Keith Lee can pin Riddle, and maybe, have, maybe have Sh- Lashley lose. Maybe Shane comes in, beats Bobby Lashley to get all that heat onto Shane, and then we we have Shane laying down the law on Drew McIntyre after last sure. week. How, how dare you question my booking? Uh, yeah, one, one can hope I, at this point, I don't think it'll be the fiend. Um, man, although I could be wrong trying to think who else there is. Those are like of the regular characters. Like that's kind of your, that's kind of your lineup unless, unless we're going outside, Mm -hmm. which I, I don't, I don't really know how many options you have. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I guess Lashley seems to be a front runner. Maybe the Undertaker comes back, tells Drew, "You're the champion, but you guys are soft." <laughs> yeah, you've been playing too many video games. Yeah, yeah. Where's the, where are the guns? Okay, well there, that was raw. Uh, we'll preview Elimination Chamber later, maybe on uh, on Friday's show. But let's dive into some feedback and see what everyone thought about tonight's episode of Raw. Uh, is this one going to get a pass? Well, I just saw it. That's a no. 4.58. It's it's not a very exciting time, I suppose. And okay, uh, for the state of Raw, they'll take a 4.58. Like, yeah. fair enough. All right. Uh, shall I start, John? Sure. We got a Paul from New Jersey who says, I would like to take this moment to apologize to both John, Jonathan and Waylon. In the last, in the initial few weeks, I defended the Evans Charlotte program. What a cosmic ballet. On a positive note, I actually enjoyed Miz tonight and was stoked Kofi was added to the chamber. I enjoyed the gauntlet match, but the Lacey Evans thing really derailed the show for me. I'm getting flashbacks to the birth of a hand. Yeah, well, we we shall see what happened. Um, what was worse, the 51st Dates promo between AJ and Ricochet or Riddle talking about President? Ooh. And two, who won the Royce Evans versus Charlotte Oscar match? Pregnancy? Was there a countout? Um, yeah, it was a countout. Was it? Or was it stopped by pregnancy? By sudden pregnancy? Well, it's going to be a, a count of nine months. 
<laughs> uh, yeah. W- both promos were awful. Uh, I would say the Ricochet 50 first dates was worse. Um, we'll see if any of them make worse stuff. I guess there are plenty of candidates this year. I wasn't, uh, who is that guy though, by the way, Ricochet, he rings a bell, but I watch Ross. I'm not familiar. (laughs) Let's go to Ben from Vancouver. Uh, yeah, a lot of people here are talking about the the Lacey Charlotte uh, program. None of it makes any sense. Well, I, I think to the defense, like as the reports have stated, this being legitimate, like they were really just having to you know, essentially come up with something uh, right at the last second here. Uh, the rest of the show was fine with the gauntlet being solid, a five out of 10 show. Where do you guys see Ricochet for WrestleMania at this point? I can't see much more than the Andre battle Royal. Yeah. I don't know if on February 16th, they're sitting down and they're bringing everyone together and saying, all right, guys, we need a battle plan for Ricochet for WrestleMania. I don't know. Where this guy is going to end up at, at this rate, yeah, the battle royal would seem a likely destination for him because he's he's got nothing going on now. That's not to say that after this pay per view cycle, they might um, reintroduce him on Raw, get him into some kind of a program. You do have two nights, so that's going for him. Uh, it's sad that he doesn't have more uh, something more of substance, but uh, two months out, there does not appear to be anything for him. Possible, but I would say unlikely. It doesn't seem like he has any sort of storyline building at all. Um, but I, you know, if they do any sort of like intercontinental title or what is it, uh, US title ladder match or something, I think that would be a great fit for him. But uh, this year, who knows? Um, yeah, what else was it going to be? So, my question, John, like, how are they going to pay off this Ric Flair thing? You know, so they're they're running with the idea that it's Ric Flair who who got Lacey pregnant. Um, if in fact she won't be back, and actually has the baby, <laughs> like, will they try to carry this through and explain that it's Ric Flair's baby after nine? Like months? like they did with uh, Stacy Keebler when she then revealed uh, the baby on Nitro, and it turned out to be a an eight by ten of Sean Stasiak that she gave birth to. Ooh. Yeah, I don't know. So, Flair's like, how will these... they resolve? How will they resolve this story? You think? Well, Lacey announced she was pregnant. Rick assumes he is the father. So, in mm. storyline, we we either have to believe uh, that they have slept together, or Rick is so delusional that he thinks he's the father, even though Lacey has never slept with him. And that's the end of Lacey informing the old man that he's out of his mind. I would never be with someone like you. You are not the father. And Rick, everyone feels sad for Rick. See, but because of how like much they kind of strayed away from like, you know, Rick explicitly saying that they, they were in a relationship and that as most as, as, as they've hinted is that Lacey just, you know, might have the hots for Ric Flair. Um, I don't feel like they would put that imagery into people's minds, at least as blatantly as, you know, that would be. So, I feel like it'll have to be Rick like revealing that this was just just a ruse somehow, um, and the child like will instead be man. It's awful anyway. You try to twist it. I mean, it's just a bad story all around. Is it worse than the WCW one where it was 
We reviewed this if, show. If that's your if that's your basis of comparison, then the answer it do, it doesn't matter. Well, it's not it's even the the eight by ten. Like that's what they ended up doing. But the original idea was Stacy and David Flair had the wedding on Nitro, and Stacy is pregnant and she runs out on David. And the idea was that it was going to turn out that Rick was the father who had <laughs> who had slept with David's fiance. You know, I don't know why Flair was so happy about it. Like, is, is it, doesn't the guy already have enough, like, alimony to pay? Well, not a, not a, not a track record of great uh, angles involving Ric Flair and uh, pregnancies. All right, one more piece of feedback, and this comes from Kate from Montreal, who says, It seemed like Raw was basically two shows tonight. The gauntlet match, including the Kofi Miz warm-up and everything else. The gauntlet part was great as long as you just ignore the Randy Orton bit. Felt like Kofi, AJ Hardy, Drew, and Sheamus all came out looking like solid contenders. Honestly, though, I'd be surprised if the actual Chamber match was as good as what we got tonight. I would rather have seen a good singles programs for Drew, but such is wrestling fan life. Not sure if you guys watched the opening round of the AEW Women's Tournament in Japan, but I will say that I do not want to hear another word about the failings of AEW's women's division, while Raw continues to serve up Lana, Lacey Evans, and Nia Jax as their lead performers. I've heard some talk that Randy might win the title on Sunday so that Edge can challenge him at WrestleMania. That seems like it would clash with Randy and Fiend, but at the same time, I can see it appealing to upper management at WWE. Do you think it's a likely scenario? I, I don't, no. I, I don't think, think so Ra- either. I think Edge and Reigns is a fantastic direction to go with, and I see no reason to change that. Yeah, at this point, I think they've teased us so much with Reigns and Edge, and the audience seems to be like, clamoring for that match amongst all the other different scenarios that I can't see them taking that away at this point. Um, I caught a little bit of a glimpse of the women's tournament. I have not really sat down and properly watched all the matches, but I heard pretty good feedback to most of them. So I haven't seen it. I heard Excalibur was great on commentary, just doing it solo. Mm-hmm. Yes, he was. Um, but how did know, it, how did arena? it look in the, uh, in the dojo? It looked like, you know, a tape that like a Japanese empty arena setting mm-hmm. warehouse match. Um, yeah, so we'll probably talk a bit about them on Wednesday. Uh, so, the, yeah, there you go. And in regards to Randy and the Fiend, I would like they have uh, they have pushed this for so long. It's almost I wonder if they just carry this right to mania like beyond. Fastlane. It almost seems like this. This is a mania program that the mm-hmm. the big blow off gimmick match, whatever they come up with, um, yeah, it it feels at this point like they might as well just push it all the way to mania. Now that you've you've gone this far, this was thought to just be a distraction for Randy until Edge comes back, but it's obviously they're going in different paths. For sure, I think so. What, especially because it's a double mania night. You know, you're probably not going to have enough time to build to anything bigger than something like this. Um, I think if, you know, the only task is, is to delay them through fast lane. Number one, you don't have to even have them have a match at fast lane, but number two, you can do some sort of, I don't know, mixed tag situation or some sort of like build up match to get to it. Um, man, I just, I don't know many people that would be looking forward to Orton and Fiend, uh, again. Um, it's just, it's been, it's, it's happened many times. I mean, the results this time around haven't been great. They, they've had already a WrestleMania stinker between the two of them. I, you know, they could do a Firefly Funhouse match. You know, yes. I think really that's what it should be, a cinematic match. I think it would have to be. 
Yeah, I, th- yeah. I think that's that's the whole crux of the story of what it leads to. Mm-hmm. So thanks everybody for the feedback. It's uh, another packed week here at postwrestling.com. So I want to uh, thank everyone for tuning in live tonight. We're back live Wednesday night. We're live Friday night. We're live Sunday night. Can't get enough of us. Yeah, we'll be here all the time, everybody. So, um, yeah, anything else to promote? Um, I was going to ask you about WandaVision, but I'm in the midst of listening to what you think about WandaVision. So I don't, I don't, we, we don't need to be uh, retracing your steps. Well, what about the uh, – what else have you been watching? The Wire? How's that? I have been watching oh. The Wire. That's about – during my day now, my, my, my free time – is limited to about I I get about an hour each day, so may, maybe a little more, a little more in the evening, depending if it's a if it's a non uh, wrestling evening. So in the evening, try and watch an episode of The Wire. We're almost done season one. Okay, cool. I, I don't think I'm allowed to talk about it because it's only yes, been it's only been 19 years since uh, season one aired. So spoil the no. shit out of it. Who cares at this point? Well. Um, there was just a shooting. A cop is clinging to life. We're going to find out. I uh, think she's going to make it. I think she's going to pull through. Uh, but it's excellent. I think that this series, like, I always knew it was amazing. Like, this is one of the shows. It's one of those, you haven't seen The Wire? The fuck is wrong with you? You haven't seen The Wire? Like, are you, why are you here talking to me when you could be at home watching The Wire? It's one of those, like, okay, okay. It's the poutine of TV. Oh, it's not the poutine of TV. This is good. This is good. Um, no, it's there, – there's so many characters to keep track of, but not in a confusing way. Like you – they they do a very good job. I don't know what future seasons will get like uh, of how uh, significant it will get once they get out of uh, these districts into others and such. I, I saw a map that consists of what the whole show covers and stuff. So it's pretty uh, – it's pretty yeah. advanced, but this is – this is high. This is high quality. I would certainly recommend Way, but I wouldn't. I, I, I wouldn't judge episode. you. You watched the first episode recently. Couldn't get into it. Yeah, couldn't get into it. How long did it take you to really get in? Ah, uh, I was in pretty quick. You know, mm. the funny thing. You know what? I, I will take that back. Several years ago, me and my my wife has watched this show many times. Like she loves it, and she wanted to get me into it. And we watched the first episode, and. I had a similar feeling like that. Like it didn't, it didn't grab me instantly, but I didn't hate it. Um, but this time around, I was in from the get go. Um, I was looking for a new show, and I really got into this one pretty quick. Did did she? Have to, did it help that she was able to explain some of the things to catch you up or anything like that? No, it was it was. Um, I, I don't know what it was like the first time. Like it was it was not like I had a negative experience to it. It was just like we watched it, and then for whatever reason, we didn't pick it up instantly and i kind of just moved on from it and didn't have that desire to oh we've got to get back to watching the wire but this time i'm i'm really i'm really into it i think it's like five seasons altogether we'll continue to give us some updates john i i think even if i'm not watching it a lot of people would be really casualty has been books though it's like i i can't do both i can't watch a series and try and read a book at the same time oh with only an hour a day it'd be tough you have to choose uh, there's going to be a snowstorm. Are you aware of this? Yes, I am. Yeah, right now, right? It's. I think it's happening now. It was supposed to happen this morning, but it's coming overnight. It looks pretty yeah. insane. 
but like we're pretty much like knee deep in like bad weather right now. Like this is probably the worst stretch we've had since the winter started. So um, don't really look look forward to shoveling, but um, it's got to be done. All right. Well, I just I just wanted to uh, chat. Yeah, like what you thought about the snow. Yeah, what, what else shows you're getting into? What else is going? TV shows? I, I I'm not watching anything. Like literally nothing. Yeah. Well, uh, I've been talking about this on WandaVision, or sorry, uh, Total Bellas, but uh, Pauline's got me watching The Bachelor. It conflicts with Raw, so it's like a Tuesday thing that we do, and uh, it's just awful, and I feel terrible about it. I'm so ashamed. Here I am, like, not getting into The Wire instead of watching The Bachelor, but um, it's good, trashy fun, I guess. Where where are we at? How much? Uh, how How many numbers are left? Supposedly, this is like the biggest season of The Bachelor ever, like the most contestants they've ever had. And they'll chop off like five people at a time, like wow. every single episode. And people aren't just getting picked off because they're being like traditionally eliminated. They're like getting ev- evicted or at least like taken off because they've, you know, been caught lying. They've been caught spreading rumors. They've been like just uh, one of, you know, some people quit because they can't deal with like uh, The Bachelor fl- flirting with the other girls. So, uh, there's plenty of drama on the show. Wow. Who's the front runner? Who are you picking? I, I don't know, dude. You know, love is complicated. It's hard to say. It's hard to know what this dude is thinking. He's a very hard to read man. He, he like, he's equally flirtatious and seems to have connection with like a number of people. It's an awkward way to date, I think. (laughs) On The Bachelor, it's an awkward way to date. Yeah. Yeah. It's a bit of a weird, yeah. I would say so. Well, good luck on that. I hope you. I hope you keep us updated. No, I don't think I will. Several more weeks to go. I, I yeah. can bring it up every now and then. Get get your thoughts. Well, that'll be my our ratings discussion. What was Rob against? You know, who was being evicted at what time? Well, that's going to bring an end to the show, folks. Me and uh, me and Way are off. Uh, we have been. How do you get voted off the Bachelor? Is it you? You hand them the rose, or you take the rose? You don't get a rose. That's how you... You don't get a rose. Okay. Yeah. Well, on that note... <laughs> this is a weird this... show. Well... <laughs> We've Wait, had a my, lot of different topics. My my mind was just melting by the end of Sunday. I was like, I have watched so much wrestling and so much fighting, and I've talked for so much, and I've written so much, and I know, boo-hoo, boo-hoo, I am being transparent with... No, we want you to be transparent. And number two, I think, uh, you know, nobody wants you to exhaust yourself. So um, if you need help, there are people that are willing to help. All right. I am going to give up The Bachelor, number one. I think that's too (laughs) daunting to jump into that world. We want you to watch more, more of The Wire, for sure. All right, I, I will do that. So maybe maybe Wednesday, Wake and Run through Dynamite, and I will I will give everyone an update on McNulty and uh, and, <laughs> and where things stand after after season one. That is we'll, it. Everyone we'll back and forth. I'll go through a match. You go through, a <laughs> and then I'll go through a segment. <laughs> that would actually be pretty funny. Yeah, it'd be really good or really bad. We need I'll to be really... start being more experimental with these reviews. I think it's like. Why have both of us watched the same thing? I would much rather, uh, you know what, as as we've talked about, I, I think that would be the way, if we had ever had to do Raw and Nitro on the same night, I think that would have been the way to go. You review one and I listen to your review blind and then vice versa. It would be really interesting. Um, 
I I think that would be a really bad way of you know what? Yeah, it would have to be done. Yeah, for sure. We watch one segment, talk about one segment, and talk about what was on the other. It would be a, an interesting experiment. Thank you to everybody for joining us in the live Zoom room tonight. We appreciate all of you. We'll be back Wednesday night, 10, 15 Eastern time, and Rewind Away drops on Tuesday. NXT R Evolution. With the letter R and the word evolution, and together it can be interpreted as our evolution or a revolution. That's brilliant. Unbelievable use of font. Not since corn has somebody made such great use of the letter R. R evolution. Yeah. All right. That's it. I'm done, folks. Good night. (laughs) Ha <laughs> ha.